Welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast episode 218, brought to you by Pat Rion's Guitars. Uh, I kind of always feel like a announcer. Ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to talk about guitars and guitar-related things? That would be... Uh, so, It's uh, how's everyone doing? I hope they're doing well. I hope you can hear and see me well as well. <laughs> well as well. And uh, let's... Uh, Let's uh, do the quick announcement, of course. If you're new to the show, if you're watching the first time, if you're trying to get a message to me or talk to me or subject or a question, put the question marks at the beginning of what you're typing, or you can also do a super chat. I try to get to every super chat and as many of the other questions as I can, and uh, especially anything that I find interesting, if I can catch it. And uh, if you're watching the rebroadcast, I timestamp all the subjects we talk about, so you can go right to those. And of course, if you're listening to the podcast, like the majority of you are, uh, Welcome this week, <laughs> although I don't think I posted the last podcast yet. I don't know if it's done editing yet. So, uh, we probably have stuff to talk about. I don't have any announcements, no weird stuff going on this week in the guitar world <laughs> that I think of. Uh, although, oh yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, there is. A, there is. What are we talking about? There's a Gear Fest. Uh, so, of course, if you guys know Sweetwater did Gear Fest again this year, but it's virtual. And today, this morning, uh, some of you guys joined me for it. I did a uh, live hangout where I reacted to one of the things that they did. Um, Sweetwater was kind enough to uh, send me a list of all the presenters this weekend and asked me if I was any interested in any of that. And I loved it. I saw these uh, four uh, guitar techs that are industry, you know, guitar techs that are amazing that, um, you know, they roadie tech for big name artists. And um, so I, I wanted to watch it and it was really cool. Um, it was really insightful. Um, so I hope you guys got to check it out. If you didn't, you could check out that video probably after this video, or you could leave this video right now and watch that video. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's go. I'm just going to grab random questions that I see. Um, today's episode, I, I wanted you guys to know that it was going to happen today. So I, I, uh, started the live, uh, whatever you're, the notice early this morning. So a lot of you guys put a lot of questions early. Frank Rizzo said, uh, Phil, any chance you will be reviewing your Ivan as JS 1000. That's my main Japan, Joe Satrani guitar. Um, I hadn't planned on it. I mean, I guess I could, I, I hadn't planned on it. Um, it's one of those things, Frank, where it's like, I get, a, you know, you make a comment like that and I think, well, oh, I didn't even think to do it. Um, the, 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 Sometimes the funny thing that happens in this environment, I when I'm talking to other YouTube channels, it's real common. It seems like really common that we all say to each other, oh, I got this cool guitar, but oh, did you do a video? And you're like, I didn't do a video because, you know, you're doing other videos all the time. That's my problem is, you know, I've said this before, I have a fixed number of videos I'm going to make every month. And uh, my goal is to get to those. And if I can get more than that, that's great. So sometimes when I do something on my own, I, I just don't, I don't have the time to, to edit and put it up. Um, you know what, Frank, maybe that's a good video I'll do on the Phil McKnight 2 channel, which is my second channel. Um, I was doing really well with that channel and then I kind of slowed down on it. And the whole point of that channel is to do more content that's not edited and stuff. So I can just, you know, kind of slap it out and do it. And if it's, you know, it's not spectacular, <laughs> no edited pickup switching things. That's what's, that's, what's taking all the time when you edit those videos is adding on all those little pictures and clips that I add in when I'm, when I'm talking about the guitars. Um, let's see. 
Uh, anything else? Daryl says to smash the like button. Thank you. I appreciate that, Daryl. That was very kind of you. Um, and... Uh, let's see. Todd, I don't know why I'm going to read this. He didn't even put a question mark for but, but I just caught my eye. It said, Todd says, my car starter uh, died today while I was out and about. Now I'm ready for a beer and a steak. <laughs> I know my gear. Let's go. It's great. I um, I once was so broke <laughs> that my starter went out and um, I didn't have the money to replace it. So every time I needed to start my truck, I had to slide underneath it and hit it with a hammer. I don't even know if you can do that on new cars. But I did it on my truck, and um, it was weird because <laughs> so, can you imagine? It was weird. People, you go to your car in your parking lot and you pull out a towel out of the back of it, throw it down on the ground, <laughs> lay down, hit it a couple times with a hammer, and then go start it. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I don't. Uh, I you know I love to say like, oh, those were the days. They were horrible, actually. Being broke sucks. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't miss it. I don't miss it. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about guitar stuff instead of starters. Okay. And what else we got? I see a lot of you guys are piling in. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to grab some questions if you don't mind. Hold on. Oh, Floopity Doo said he did that to his old Cutlass. Yeah, you know it's it's one of those things, man. It's just <laughs> you know when you're broke, you find a way. Use what you got. I had a hammer. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, the drunken scoundrel did a super chat today, <laughs> and he says, uh, "Phil, my carpal tunnel uh, regarding." Uh, guitarist specifically carpal tunnel so he's not saying mine he's saying carpal tunnel regarding guitarists specifically do you know any good uh resources about dealing with it still waiting to see my doctor um you know i don't um i know uh you know obviously dealing with guitar players uh, so much uh when they have carpal tunnel because there's obviously you know carpal tunnel is uh is is very painful and problematic. I think Paul Gilbert has carpal tunnel. I think that's what I read once that after every show, he has to like soak his arms in buckets of ice water, uh, to, you know, to, to kind of cool, probably cool and, uh, stop the inflate, uh, inflammation of his, of, of his arms and tendons and stuff. Um, what I do know is, uh, is that you want to adopt some kind of extra exercise, uh, for your hands. However, I, I don't want to suggest anything to you cause I really want you to talk to your doctor. <laughs> Yeah. But some, here's what it is. I have, um, I fortunately not had any of those issues yet. So, um, I've only seen what people have told me they deal with. And so it's not firsthand knowledge. It's secondhand knowledge. So I think, uh, maybe if somebody has car, uh, carpal tunnel and they're dealing with it, maybe if you could suggest to uh, the drunken scoundrel, what you're doing to, to deal with it, please don't give, please don't, uh, if you don't have it, don't just start giving things you've heard again. I don't want second party information. I find the best information for me is like true experience. So that's why sometimes when I haven't had a true experience of it, I don't really want to tell you guys, you know, anything. So, um, but I hope you get to see the doctor and I hope it works out. Like I said, I know you can do a lot of stuff, including, uh, exercises and, and, re and you got to get a regimen for this for sure. Um, 
And I don't know if it goes away. As far as I know, it doesn't go away, right? That's the whole whole problem with it. I have a, um, <laughs> my knees hurt says I don't trust doctors. Well, you know, it's not, that's not bad advice, but you know, we need them. So, um, <laughs> I have a, um, what do I have? I have a, a, a problem. One of my ribs, like the cartilage in my ribs, um, I don't know how to explain it, like the way they explain it to me, the surgeon and stuff, but it's, it's, uh, basically inflamed. It's been inflamed for 15 years, uh, because uh, the best analogy I got was it was like, imagine you have a torn ligament in your, you know, or a sprained ankle. And the doctor says you have to get off of it to, to get it to heal. Well, my rib, the problem with this, this impact that I, t- I took on it, um, I have to stop breathing because <laughs> every time I breathe, it's, it's, it's actually working it and causing the problem. So there's no fix for it. I guess this is just me for the rest of my life. This, this is my, my issue. So I think uh, you might be in the same boat with your carpal tunnel, but I don't know. Dan Brown says, have you ever bought a piece of gear while you were drunk? Just pause there for a second. <laughs> Why well, I drink this absolutely not vodka in my coffee cup. I should stop making that joke. It is water. So anyways, uh, it says in the heat. Okay. So basically it says, have I ever bought a piece of gear while I was drunk or in the heat of a moment and instantly regret it the next day? I, I can beat that. I, I did it and, uh, instantly regretted it. Um, the, the day, uh, Eddie Van Halen died. I don't know why. I mean, I, I sh- you know, I, I hate saying it like that, but I don't know why I was so upset, but I was upset. And obviously, you know, I was upset, you know, but I mean, David Bowie has died, you know, a lot of great artists have died and, you know, you, you, you get bummed out, but I mean, Eddie was like this weird feeling. I don't know how to explain. It was not even like a person died. It was like a, I don't know. It was like finding out Santa Claus isn't real and, and the end, it's like an end of an era. It was just horrible. So that night I went outside, it was uh, cool outside. So I went outside and sat out in the patio area and uh, drank <laughs> and then bought a white Wolfgang, which I did a video of you guys guys watch that video. Um, that was the guitar I bought it. So, you know, I bought that guitar and then I uh, sold it eventually, but I sold it at a loss because, you know, anyways, uh, so I bought that white Wolfgang, which was weird because I already had a purple Wolfgang that I loved. I don't, I don't know why I bought another Wolfgang. And, um, and then immediately after I bought the Wolfgang and thought, why did I just do that? I just bought that. Maybe not even minutes later, I bought a 5150 LBX, another one that I didn't need. Um, I'm laughing cause it's just, it's such a weird thing how, um, you know, it was also, it was, it's COVID, you know what I mean? It's like you were, you know, you're, you're, you're at, sad at home. You're trapped in the house. The world is, is gone to shit. And then your guitar hero dies. And yeah. And, uh, and so the reason I answer your question this way is not only did I do it and I, which, and regretted it, but like I said, I was doing it knowing I shouldn't do it and regretting it at the same exact time. And then continually doing it because, I just wanted to get through the night. <laughs> so apparently buying two things I didn't need uh, did it. And uh, and the regret came from the fact that that's real money, man. That's I spent some good money on that stuff that I, you know, that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> somebody's saying retail therapy. Exactly, exactly. Um, 
Um, but yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was the, that was the, but other than that day, uh, I'm sure there's stuff I bought, but not like drunk on a whim. Um, the, um, uh, the only thing, (laughs) only other story I have is, uh, Ralph, my buddy, you guys know Ralph, Ralph doesn't, uh, Ralph is like me in the idea that, uh, even though we're different personalities, we both adopted this weird thing where we really didn't start drinking until our thirties. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, I discovered craft beers and uh, he discovered whiskey, I think, and <laughs> different whiskeys. And then we were experimenting with them. This is why I'm telling you the story. So we don't have stories, even though we've known each other since, you know, very young age, we don't have stories of, you know, rabble rousing and going out drinking. So our first time going out drinking together was, uh, I don't know how long ago. It was a few months ago. I thought it was this year. It could be this year. I'm pretty sure. It's when they opened up the restaurants back in Arizona. Ralph, uh, I, after a while, I finally got Ralph to go to a restaurant. So it was his first time going back to a restaurant. We went to a restaurant. We went to a sushi bar. And we were drinking uh, alcoholic beverages. And we both got pretty pretty hammered. And uh, I don't know why, but we uh, the, gla- the drinks we were drinking came in weird glasses. And... Uh, Ralph definitely was the enabler. Um, <laughs> we bought these glasses, 12 of them, uh, on, on my phone online. And, uh, and then like a couple days later, they showed up the house, like a dozen of these weird shaped glasses. And my wife's like, what are these glasses? And I'm like, oh, that's what they put the, like the rocket man drinks in that we liked. And, um, now I have these weird glasses <laughs> to a drink. I don't know how to make. <laughs> so that, those my two stories of drink cautionary tales for all of you don't don't drink and uh don't drink and shop there you go um next one we have is we have regan regan says reagan reagan says maybe it's regan i don't even know is reagan regan uh says phil what do you look for in a soldering iron uh i need a small footprint and a reasonable cost you know i've tried a ton of soldering irons and I've gone back every time to Weller and I've decided that, look, if you're on a budget, I'd say find the one, go on Amazon or your, you know, your purchaser of choice, read some reviews and buy the best one. I've reviewed a couple of the cheapy ones. Um, they're okay. Weller is definitely what I recommend. Here's why. I, not only do I like the quality, not only do I feel like they're bulletproof and it's a one-time purchase, which is a the best purchases you can do in life are those one-time purchases. You know what I mean? You buy one thing and it's basically when you die, your kid's going to have to figure out what to do with it. Um, but uh, the Wellers, what I like about them is they actually sell all the parts. So that's why it's a lifetime soldering station. It's like not only is it built really well, but if you have parts, you know, go out or things besides the filaments and stuff, but anything goes out, you can actually, you know, uh, you can... Um, replace the parts i'm not old i'm vintage says uh well our soldering stations with the variable temp control is the best you know and here's the kick to this they're not even that expensive anymore i i know you think uh look i understand some of you guys aren't like working on guitars all day and there's some tools that are just kind of when i say they're not expensive you know i mean in, in retrospect they are to you I think the Weller, and I haven't looked, and since in the inflationary thing, but the Weller station I use, I think, is like 120 bucks shipped to your door. 100 bucks is a lot of money. I'm not, not saying that, but what I'm saying is, it's one time you buy it for 100 bucks, it'll be there forever. You, and and what's great about it is, like I said, you don't even have to take really good care of it. <laughs> you just use it. So 
That's what I'd recommend. It's not a huge footprint. It's about that big as the base. And then of course the soldering station itself, but you could put it on top if you want. And uh, the other thing I really like about it, uh, the one I use, and uh, and when I when I timestamp this, I'll put a link uh, to the one I got. I got it on Amazon. <laughs> you know, um, the uh, so you know I had one for uh, 15 years, and then I decided to change out to a um, to this model, which I like better. Here's what I like about it: a couple things. One, it uh, it um, it, it obviously it has the temperature control and it puts an LED so you can see it. But what I like about this one is, is that when you don't use it for a period of time, let's say, I think it's like 10 minutes. I don't know if you can set it or anything. It's not really digital. Uh, like it, it's, it starts cooling down. Um, so if you run, I run mine like 800 degrees, uh, Fahrenheit, which is pretty hot. And, um, and uh, so obviously after about 10 minutes, it just starts cooling down. It'll go down to 300 degrees, I think, and just sit there. It doesn't turn itself off. It just cools down, which is, which is a fairly good feature. So uh, Chuck Miller says, well, our WC, WLC 100, you know what I can do for you right now? Thank you, Chuck, because what I can do is since we have the interwebs, I can paste it in here. And if it comes up, I'll show you the picture if that's the right one. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. This is not the one I use, but um, I'm going to click. Look at that. This is the one that Chuck's saying. Look at this. 33 bucks. Thir you know, right? Uh, Weller, I I like I said, I don't, I don't, uh, this doesn't have, has the variable temp, doesn't have the screen. It probably doesn't have the cooldown feature. The one I have is baby blue. Um, but uh, yeah, you can't beat this. You can't. I, I love this uh, brand. I love everything about it. Um, and uh, I'm looking to see if there's anything interesting. Nope. There, I mean, that's good. This is the way to go. You cannot beat this. So, um, I don't know where they make them. I want to say they're made in the USA, but I can't imagine anymore at that price. But definitely... Hey, I'm back. Definitely... Um, cool one thank you chuck that was a good one uh that's a um the one i had before was like that one and then let's see if i can just share let's just see if i can find the one i have give me a second hmm yeah here it is Oh man, they've gone up. Well, this is on some weird website I've never heard of. Um, so I'm going to show it to you, but I don't know this website, so don't buy from this website. I've never heard of it. Um, Zorro something? I don't know. Uh, let me share. Here we go. So this one says 169. I'm really sure if you go to Amazon or something like that, it's like 129. But this is the unit. See, it's got the display. You can set the temperature here, and like I said, it will. It cools down. Um, so a little nicer than the other one, but I bet you, you know, uh, like getting the job done, they're, they're both legit. And I strongly suggest those. Um, I've never had a bad experience. So, and then I'm just looking to see if any of you. Grumpy Mike Guitar says, I could use a new soldering iron. I just can't justify the expense, but I really should. You know... For me, there are a few tools uh, like a soldering station like that, that when you buy a quality one, man, it just, 
speeds up the workflow so well. You know what I mean? You set, you end up fighting things sometimes. You can literally, I mean, I've, you know, <laughs> I could solder with the, the, the $9 soldering uh, pen that you can wand or whatever you want to call it that you can get anywhere. Um, um, you burn them up and they usually don't last for crap, but you know, I've used them for sure. I, I, you know, recently, cause you know, I, I was, uh, uh, it was a year ago, but anyways, I was somewhere out of town and I needed one and I just went to a store and that's what they had and we used it. Um, you know, like I said, use what you got, but man, when a good tool, a quality tool, it, it, it literally improves your life. <laughs> It's like, you know what I mean? You're just like, oh, this is just where, you know, it's like I said, it's a luxury. It's a luxury to have nice tools and, um, and uh, stuff like that. If, if, if it's a, like I said, anything that's close to a one-time purchase or a purchase that you don't have to buy over and over again, um, they, um, they, uh, what do you call it? They're worth it. Um, okay. All right. Uh, next next subject probably. I'm just looking to see if you guys what you guys are talking about for a second. Okay, so t- uh, bent uh, bent Tom is saying 109 on Amazon. I thought that's what I remember it was was like in the low 100s. So like I said, for that price, uh, I can't recommend it enough. And uh, I'm sure Weller will send me a check now. You guys, anyone knows anybody at Weller? Just send them this clip and say, hey. <laughs> Tell them I don't want to check, but, you know, some extra soldering tips would be great. (laughs) So uh, let's see. Uh, We got Chuck Miller. Chuck says, hey, Phil, there's a Frontman 65R locally for 90 bucks. It seems good. seems fair. It's a 65-watt solid-state reverb amp amp with reverb. Uh, Fender branded, you know, right? 90 bucks. Uh, says, yeah or nah? Um, okay, hold on. Let me get the rest of it. It says, currently using a Line 6 Flextone. I actually like that. The Flextone 3, that was a decent amp from Line 6. Uh, but I only use the Fender Deluxe setting. Good alternative. I mean, you know, here's the deal. It's 90 bucks. It's, uh, costs less than a soldering iron. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I like the Frontman stuff. And part of the problem I have, um, you know, as you guys know, I did the review of the uh, the Tone Bender, Tone, Tone Master, uh, ultralight um, Fender Deluxe Reverb, which I absolutely love that amp. It's a great amp. However, great amp or not, it's actually the front man and those type of amps that that kind of haunt me with that amp. I play it and I go, this is so good and it's so light and it's everything everyone says it is. However, deep down I go, man, I could probably plug in a front man and achieve this. <laughs> Maybe it sounds better. It, do- it probably does sound a little better, but uh, but you know, you, like you said, you could get a 65 watt front man for 90 bucks. I think that's funny. I think it's amazing that you can get a 65 watt little fender solid state amp. The the front man's a good amp. It's not a great amp. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to blow you away, but you could put pedals in front of it. It's clean. 65 one with the 112. You could gig with that too. Absolutely. So 90 bucks cheaper than a pedal. If you if you buy that in a brand new tube screamer, the tube screamer was ten dollars more. Uh, Chris says, "How long did it take you to receive your Kiesel? I just ordered an Icon base, and I am wondering how long I needed to be impatient." So here's what I will tell you, and and I you know I I uh, feel bad because I didn't clear any of this with the Kiesel folks when I ordered my uh, my uh, a crackle finish. Um, I ordered it directly from. Uh, Brandon, who isn't like a sales guy at Kiesel. He's just the guy who deals with artists. 
and for some reason, me. <laughs> so um, what happened was they uh, they put a kind of like a, not a rush on it, but, you know, they, they, they told me you're going to try to push it through a little faster. Um, obviously because, you know, they knew I'm going to make a video with it, and that's good PR for them. It's good. To, and, of course, you know, you want to do... Um, I think it's just good business and good good stuff. You know, you're like you know, this guy's got a YouTube channel. What can we do to accommodate him? So um, they told me they'd speed it up. So here's um, I don't know when. Okay, I don't know when I did the video. So this is gonna be horrible. But you're gonna have to do your own math. Whenever that video came out that I reviewed this guitar, I bought it in January. So January to whenever I did that video, and that was them doing it uh, a little faster for me. So that will let you know. I thought I did it last month, right? It was in May. Oh, you know what? I told you to go look it. Now I'm going to go look. <laughs> I feel horrible now because I know I should be able to get in there in a second and see it. And while I'm looking, somebody's going to post the answer. Uh, let's see. Uh, I shows that video went up on May 25th. So January, February, March, April, May. So it was late January. So I want to say four to five months is how fast. And, and like I said, they said they uh, spent that up, but, uh, don't freak out. <laughs> I don't, right. Uh, like I said, they didn't promise me the world or anything. They just said they, like I said, they would kick it through as fast as they could for me. So I don't know if that went, I got it faster than normal or I got it normal or what have you. I do know this. They were really hammered around that time with, uh, with orders and, uh, they're probably busy now, but probably not like they were, uh, at least I hope not. Hope they either caught up or got more people. So there you go. And then anyone else who ordered one, let, let him know what you guys waited. If you waited recently. Just curious. Um, okay, hold on. Johnny Q. Okay, he says, why are um, the Ernie Ball guitars... I assume he's talking about Sterling because of where he's going with this. Uh, that are in the Squire and, and and made in Mexico price range so much better than any other guitars in that price. Um, I don't find that they're so much better, but they are really good. Now, of course, you know when I do these videos, anytime I review something, what I like is that you guys will say like, "There's a lot of people saying I tried one at Guitar Center and I had this issue with it, and I tried this one, and I bought this one, I returned it." And of course, you know, like I told you guys, um, I find that the uh, as the price guitars on the price of a guitar goes down in price, you should see more issues with the guitar. Um, I mean, ideally, no issues, of course. Don't 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 misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, when I see a three thousand dollar guitar, if they made a thousand, I think there should only be one or two with issues, if that. And when you see a three hundred dollar guitar and they made you know ten thousand, then you're going to see exponentially more issues. Not only because they make more of them, but because at lower price points, things slip through the cracks a little bit. And again, that's not uh, a excuse for those uh, companies or those guitars, because you could argue they should have no flaws. However, I'm telling you what you see on average. So I, I think the, the Sterling guys are, which is Praxis is the company, are a legit company that knows how to make really good guitars. One of the things that, uh, that makes those guitars successful, in my opinion, is 
they they are praxis is focused on making those guitars and in the past where a lot of times when i saw squire now i think squire's doing great but squire in the beginning eh, was a little dodgy for a while right maybe not in the very beginning but you know what i mean for a while it was dodgy epiphone had its bad years as well everybody had some weird years and a lot of that when you go back and look it seemed like a lot of it was because the companies were really more focused on the primary line. So in Music Man Sterling's case, Sterling is operated by Praxis, a different company who's focused on just that line. So it's not like they're trying to, you know, like, oh, let's not make it too good because then they won't buy the more expensive one. Their job is to sell their guitars that they're making for Sterling, for Sterling Ball. Yeah, so. I really like the one I got right there. Whoops. There you go. Uh, if you guys saw the video this week, uh, there you go. If you guys, somebody asked me what happened with it. Yeah, I don't know what happened. When I launched the video, it was stuck at like 360p or something like that. And so it had to be relaunched to get it back up to 1080p. Um, but uh, love that guitar. I still love it. Still playing it. And I've had it now for a few months. I just didn't want to show you guys until the video came out. So. <laughs> the, uh, okay. Um. And then, I don't know when, maybe Sunday or Monday, probably Monday, maybe Sunday, there's another video coming out about that guitar right there. So, um, okay. <laughs> Some of you guys in your comments. All right, I gotta stay focused. Uh, the, um, <laughs> uh, the next one's from Greg. Greg says, hey, Phil, I have the same hairstyle as you. Uh, Greg, that's not a hairstyle. This is not a hairstyle. This is a hair situation. <laughs> style would imply you picked it. I don't know. Maybe you did pick it if you did. There are guys that shave their head that have hair. I don't know why the hell you do that. <laughs> I have no... See, my hat's going to be all jacked up again, the whole show again. Look at that. Thank God the podcast people won't know. There we go. Do that. Um... What I'm trying to say, yeah, my my hair is not a style. It's a it's a situation. <laughs> I have a hair situation. My my hairstyle decided to happen whether I liked it or not. <laughs> it's like, and I've told you guys before. I've been I've been bald since like 21 years old. Like like literally like the day I get to drink. Think of this. I didn't even need to be 21. I, no one was going to card me at the door anyway. <laughs> ways um but uh yeah so uh i just started said screw it i'll start shaving it <laughs> yeah so um so yeah so back to our hair uh style i like the way you put it greg although like i said we're gonna call it a hair situation so he has my hair situation uh and he says um so he says, uh, I need to wear a ball cap. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and he says, are you going to make any KYG hats in the future? I did make some KYG hats. Uh, what happened was I did not love them. I like them okay. I wanted something different. And what I wanted, I gave, my wife does all that stuff, and I gave her the parameters of what I want, and she has been tirelessly uh, doing it. She's been buying different hats and bringing them to me and having me look at them. There's a reason why I wear this stupid hat all the time on this show. It's because this is my Vans hat. Some people ask me, like, what is on your hat? It's the it's Vans hat. It looks like a, I like it because it looks like a check mark in a box, and this is a QA show, and that's about as nerdy as you can get, and so I like it. But... Um, <laughs> I like dad hats is what we call them now because, uh, you know, mom jeans, dad hats, just the way life went. 
<laughs> so uh, I like the dad hats, uh, probably because I'm a dad. I don't know. Maybe because I'm lame. I, I don't know. I don't care. Um, but uh, uh, I want this, not this hat. There's another hat I like even more than this, and I uh, have her uh, working uh, for it, uh, working to figure it out. So when she figures it out, and then I have the light lo- logo stitched on there, uh, that'll uh, and I'll remind her that you guys brought it up today on the show, and then that'll get her kind of working even harder on it. But she's been working really hard shipping out uh, Patreon uh, packages and uh, guitar uh, tons of guitar pickups and all this other stuff. So, I mean, she's been... Uh, I've have her inundated f- like full-time all day <laughs> doing stuff. They, uh... <laughs> guys, a lot of... I love that one. Grass doesn't grow on the cement. Yes. They, um... Uh... Yes, uh, shampoo and conditioner. So Daryl says, I save on shampoo and conditioner. Yeah, I still used to have to use uh, shampoo. Well, I use uh, uh, conditioner still, but not not so much shampoo. Damn. The, <laughs> the, I, I don't uh, have a problem with that at all. Uh, the, the only thing is you have to really be careful because the fact that, like I said, your, your head's exposed with no hair on it is dangerous in the sun. So yeah, you have to wear a hat. You have to do stuff like that. Um, sometimes you're not wearing a hat. I've told this story before and you're like walking to your car and you see a friend, they stop you in the parking lot. It's like your brain starts thinking like after about five, 10 minutes, like, okay, I got to get in the shade. <laughs> so it's hard for, you know, if they don't, if somebody's not bald, they don't really understand like, oh, that's, you know, you're going to get a burnt head. Uh, Jane says, finally finished every episode of the podcast today. Wow. Jane, you should get a certificate. I feel like that should be a thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's 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 a lot um i'll have to work on that maybe we need a certificate and he said also she says also it's new guitar day she got a crafted in japan floral strat i love the floral strat they have the um paisley strat or is it paisley telly and then the floral strat is that how it works so there's a floral telly too uh so i think there's uh paisley and floral floral is the blue one with the cool flowers on it uh, to match my, uh, my telly and jazz bass. So she has the telly and the jazz bass. So you have the floral set. That's probably going to be, believe it or not, that's probably great because that will be worth something someday to have that whole collection of stuff like that. Thanks for all the entertainment and help. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, cool guitar, by the way. I, uh, that's definitely a guitar. The, the Paisley one and the floral one, you know, they come across my hands many times over the years in some way or another, you know, either fitting to reissued them. I think when I was a dealer and we had them from that. And then of course used ones would come in and, uh, customers would bring them in. I just never grabbed one, never bought one, but it was always this guitar. When you see it, you go, oh, I, I need that. You know, you just feel like that's one of the coolest things they did. So, uh, Mike says, I have a Gibson WRC that is showing wear on the frets. Uh, how hard is it to crown and level? Should I get new frets? No, don't get new frets. Can I switch it to jumbo frets? Yes, you can, you can do that. You can, uh, refret that guitar for sure. You can put jumbo frets on it, jumbo stainless. So that way it's one time and it's done. Put the stainless on there. If you put jumbo stainless on there, it's very unlikely you're going to wear those out again. Um, if, uh, I'm assuming this is the first issue with the guitar and you're the original owner. Uh, and so, um, the crown level or level and crown, uh, is, uh, is more than enough to ha- handle the issue. The only time you, you can't level and crown frets anymore and you need to replace frets is if they've been level and crowned many times before on a, on a Gibson guitar with that type of fret wire, 
Um, it's pretty average. You'll get three crown and levels. Once you get past three crown and levels in a lifetime of the guitar, that's when you guys, and you, everybody's seen them. If you've, if you've been around a lot of guitars in your life, you've seen guitars, especially Gibsons, where the frets are flat, like flat, like literally like paper thin, because uh, they've been crowned level so many times. I don't know how many times that is that gets them that way, but it's crazy over the years. That tells you sometimes when they make really good guitars, because I've played more Gibsons than probably anything, any other brand of guitars with this issue, where the frets have been just filed down so many times over the years that they're perfectly flat, and they feel like almost nothing. Like, you almost feel like I'm playing a fretless, but they're still fretting noise, and they played perfect. Um, so in that case, in your case, you uh, can get a crown level. You don't have to get a refret. However, if you want jumbo frets and you want to change it, it's probably a good opportunity for you to do that. Um, you can crown level your own frets. I wouldn't recommend you do it the first time on your Gibson, um, but you could, you know what I mean? The, the, the adage is just go slow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just go slow and you'll be fine. Don't, you know, remember the, don't worry about not doing enough because you can always redo it. You cannot, like I said, you cannot put material back on. You can always take more material away. So, um, but a refret, I don't know if I'd want, uh, I don't know if I would suggest somebody do their first refret on a Gibson guitar, but I, I mean, I've seen it. It's just not, it's not fun. I would, uh, get yourself a junkie guitar and, and, uh, especially nowadays, like I said, we, you know, there's tons of guitars out there. You can buy yourself a cheap guitar, 50 bucks, hundred bucks, um, and especially on something like that, okay, a, a crown level and a refret, and um, and uh, those are very expensive charges now, depending where you live. So to the point where you can buy some of those tools now and a cheap guitar and work on it yourself. So what? So um, this is from Gil Q says Q Gil. I'll just say Gil. Gil says, "Hey Phil, our Somnium guitars." Uh, worth getting over Fender Custom Shops. Well, they're not in the same price range as them. I don't know if they've price increased them. I think uh, the one I have, which is somewhere behind me, you can see it right there. Uh, I'm pointing at it right there. Uh, I think it's in the $2,400 range with two cartridges or something like that. And then if you add a couple cartridges, about three grand. So maybe then it starts pushing into the Fender area. Is it worth getting over it? Um, you know, I don't know. That's not, that's hard to say. Um, what I can tell you is, is um, if I was to keep, you know, everybody always asks me, like, if you only keep one guitar, what would you keep? And usually it's whatever guitar I'm in love with at that time, which is usually a Strat or my mirror or something like that. Um, but if I could keep five guitars, the Somnium is one of them. It, absolutely. I really like it. I still use it a lot, not just to make the videos, but it's an interesting guitar. It does a lot of cool things. So I don't know if I suggest it over a custom shop Fender. Here's why. You got to understand they're, they're different animals, and I don't mean in the way they play. The Somnium guitar is something that's really different, and it does something that's really cool, which is allows anyone to change out pickups at will with no skills, no soldering iron, no nothing. You can just... You could buy pickups right now. and I could buy pickups and stick them in that Somnium with just literally a little teeny flathead screwdriver. And that's it. That's all I need to do all that. And, uh, and uh, that's cool. However, it's not going to have the resale power that the Fender Custom Shop is going to have. So, I mean, you can have, you know, that guitar is going to be uh, better if you decide to sell it a few years down the line. Um, so there you go. It's tough. Like I said, the Simon guitars actually have a cool concept. 
they are the only ones, only ones with it. So. <laughs> I'm not old. I'm Vinny says, you can keep all your guitars, Phil. <laughs> they, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> they, uh, like I said, uh, I'm just giving you my answers. Um, okay, let me go. Okay, let's go back to to questions. Hold on, let me refresh this. Sorry, guys, I'm just catching back up. All right. Okay, the next question, this comes from Jeff. Uh, it could be a t topic, I don't know. Jeff says, hey, Phil, uh, really exploring alternative tunings, electric guitar recommendation, setup. Like, are tens okay with adjusting strings to standard E to open C? I want stable neck, don't want to adjust the uh, truss rod every, each time. Sure, uh, yeah, if you're gonna do alternate tunings and stuff, I, I do it all the time with tens, and is I like a hardtail bridge, and usually if you want to make your life a little less stressful <laughs> just find a guitar with a slightly thicker neck thicker necks don't move as much i mean it's just a, you know that's the that's the benefit of having that mass of that wood so you know you take a, a guitar with a slightly thicker neck um my guitar that i use a ton of alternate tunings on is this prs uh s2 uh, it's got a slightly chunky neck not a big big thick neck but a little chunky neck and it's got the one piece hardtail bridge and Literally, um, I ch I tune that uh, to C. I tune it to you know standard. I tune it all over the place, and it's got tens on there. So sometimes there's a you can or you can get the set from any brand you want. I use Daddario or Stringjoy, but you can get ten to forty eight, and that's a great string set if you want to do some crazy stuff like down tune a lot. It'll really help, and the forty eight shouldn't make you have to cut the, a nut or widen the nut slot, and uh, just kind of get the best of both worlds. Uh, Grumpy Mike Guitar says, for the tone jar, and why not? By the way, that Squire sounded mighty nice. Cheers. So what Grumpy Mike's doing is he's telling you, uh, I, I I told you guys there's a video coming. I don't know if I'll release it on Sunday or Monday, but yeah, the patrons get the early release, so they, they see the first version. The version they get, though, is doesn't have the audio fixed and stuff, and I'll tweak on it um, a little bit. But usually when I, I, I draft my my videos. So I make the videos and then I kind of edit up and I get the whole, like, okay, I think this is how the video is going to look. Uh, I'll send it to patron. And then, uh, usually cause I've been working on it for four or five hours and then I'll come back to it after I've kind of, you know, settled and, and then do the last adjustments and fix sound and stuff like that. Sometimes, uh, you know, clips and stuff. And then the patrons also give suggestions, but thank you, Grumpy Mike. Um, let's see. Kelvin says, I got a Jackson warrior USA. That's a cool guitar, Megadeth friend. So that's cool. Uh, has a Seymour Duncan Invader and a 59. Don't play much heavy stuff anymore. Thoughts on the Thornbucker Plus to replace the Invader. Uh, I've learned so much from your channel. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you. I uh, appreciate the kindness. Uh, yeah, I like the Invader. It's a great pickup, but I prefer the Thornbucker Plus and the Thornbucker pickup, I should say, over the Invader. But they're different animals for sure. You know what I mean? I don't want to really compare those two pickups. But yes, I would uh, say that if you're you're not in the heavy metal mood right now, uh, stick the Thornbucker in there. That's that's a great pickup. Somebody was asking earlier, I saw it in the comments about Thornbucker replacing their PRS-SE 
uh, pickup. And uh, I, I, I highly still recommend the Thornbuckers. I've had, I've had a set of Thornbuckers since 2017. It, was, it could have been two, early 2018, but it was probably late 2017. Um, and uh, they're great pickups. I really like them. They, uh, the, the honeymoon is not worn off. I still, I still like them a lot. Uh, Buzz Wilson says, coffee, beer, wait, coffee, beer, or coffee, beer fund. Uh, I've had coffee beer. It's awesome. <laughs> they, have a, they have a couple of different kinds of coffee beers, and I like them all. Um, the beer I like a lot, not now, in the summertime, because I drink beers uh, throughout the year, different types of beers, different, you know. So when it's cooler outside, I drink 1554, and I'm pretty sure that's right. It could be 5415, but it's 1554. It's a Belgian uh, dark beer, like a Guinness-colored dark chocolatey beer. Uh, and I say chocolatey because it's just texture-wise. But it, it reminds me of coffee. It doesn't have coffee in it, but it's got that chocolatey coffee beer, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, I don't drink it warm, but man, in the in the wintertime, it's fantastic. You just drink, you know, sit down for the afternoon, drink one of those. You just, uh, you go at a slow pace. It takes you, you know, an hour or two to, to get it down, and it's great. Uh, Ray says, if you could shoot out, what? Oh, can, oh, sh- what is wrong with me? <laughs> All right. He wants me to do a sh- shout out to Millie May. Millie May. Uh, he says his daughter loves guitars. That's awesome. Cultivate that. Encourage that. Millie, you, uh, you're you lucky. Your dad loves guitar. You're going to love music together. Um, Ray, the best thing you can do. My, my kids, my daughter took piano and my son took bass because uh, we made them learn an instrument. Uh, we told them they didn't have to play an instrument, but they had to learn it. In other words, get the basics down. So they did. And, uh, that's what they picked and that's what they learned. And neither one of them play anymore, which is fine. Cause like I've told you guys in the past with this show is that I've learned through, if you expose your children to musical instruments, uh, even if they don't take to them, they could one day be 50 years old and decide to take it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's in their life. And like I said, it's in their life. You're putting it in their life. However, what I will tell you is, um, to Ray, uh, and you and M- Millie, uh, enjoy music together. Man, that's my favorite thing. Now, I will tell you how crazy I am, uh, and I don't recommend this. I, I'm so uh, crazy uh, when it comes to my kids and music. I, I made my kids uh, remem- <laughs> remember. I made my kids memorize my top favorite, uh, 10 top favorite bands in order. <laughs> now, in all fairness, if they got it right, uh, I gave them money. So I would just randomly ask them, what's my 10 top favorite bands in order? And then what's funny was over time, I couldn't remember. <laughs> so they would just say, give me an answer. I'm like, is that my favorite band still? I don't know. Uh, you know, because time goes by and your taste change. But yeah, that's great. Uh, Wes uh, says, uh, for the tone jar. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Uh, it's like, I always feel like a live band. You know, thank you, sir. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, it's always like, you know, you know, Jim wants me to play, you know, this song. And then Mike just did tip thanks mike so thank you wes uh jeff says hey phil i'm looking uh, to get a deluxe reverb as my go-to amp uh i know there is a 68 in the 64 is the handware yep and the 65 i'll be playing mainly blues and rock what would you recommend so i've had all three of those amps i currently only have the 65 i pared down to the 65 um let me let me give you the, the reasoning by I, I bought the 64 the way i think a lot of people players buy a 64 
So if you guys don't know, the 64 is the $2,500 hand-wired uh, version. And you're kind of like, well, you know, the 65 is great. So the hand-wired version, oh, it'll just be amazing. It's not that it's not better or it's not that it's worse than the 65. They're voiced differently. The 64 is much brighter. And I I really think, it, just my opinion, you know what I mean, on these on these these amps, Um I feel like the 64 amp was made for someone who's literally going to play it live. I bet you, uh, I bet you that if you had a, a 65 or the 64 on stage, the 64 would cut through the mix better, and I think it would be more balanced, and I think there'd be a lot of things the player would really, really enjoy in a live situation, and it would be more quality amplifier all the way around. Um, and that's on top, and that's even saying the fact that one of the things I don't like is I like I prefer the Jensen that's in the sixty-five deluxe and not the sixty-four. But that all being said, that's how I feel. How, however, at home, sometimes when you're playing at home, the the amp you need the amp to sound what I call it's like what I call what it fuller sounding um, because you know you don't have a bass player there to fill up that that mid and low frequency range, and you know what I mean. And the drummer's got all those low, uh, the the high end you know cymbals and stuff, so. You don't have that in the room, so you're you kind of need a fuller, more polished tone for when you playing inspired. You know, play your music, um, and so I like the 65 more than the 64 for that reason. It fits my needs, and of course, recording it for you guys, it it does the job great. The 68, as you guys know, I like the 68 Princeton because I like to push it like a you know a little a little amp. I like to push on it, and it breaks up a little bit. The 68's got a really nice full sound, but I just kind of again I like the 65 more. The 65 is a really good amp, and you can find them used. They really went up crazy in price. Um, I think they're like $1,200, $1,300, $1,400 now, something crazy. Um, that just happened in the last year. They went from like $1,050 to like $1,400. But you can still find them used and get good deals. Um, and I've seen a, quite a few at the Guitar Center still reasonably priced used, and you know the Guitar Center has a good return policy, so you can try out the 65. But that's what I'd recommend, the 65. Not just because I have it, because I like it. Zach's question is, or comment is, Hey, Phil, have been, I've been looking for at that 50s Road Worn Telly. Have you played them? What are your thoughts on the Road Worn series? I think the Road Worn series is definitely like an underrated uh, guitar. And I say underrated because it's funny because a lot of players love them. So you think that, you know, how can it be underrated? I think it's underrated because, I mean, realistically... I've the only negatives I've had with road warrants is, uh, yeah, some of them suffer some bad fret sprout. Some of them no fit and finish issues because the fit and finish is already distressed. But, you know, sometimes there's an issue here and there that you have to adjust or set up. Um, what I've learned with the road worn series is if you have uh, some competent skills or a competent technician or luthier, you can take that guitar to, if you put a good, a really nice setup on that. And I mean, nice setup is like I said, spend some time on the frets, make sure they're polished, make sure there's no high frets, um, go through every detail of that guitar. That guitar is amazing. It, it's so it's punching so far above its weight class. It's literally playing like a, a vintage guitar. The, the road warrants are why I don't, own a relic guitar. Um, if you notice, I don't have one. In fact, I've only owned one relic guitar my whole life, and it's my Friedman. And um, the reason it wasn't in my collection video and the reason you don't see it here is because it's being re repainted. I'm having it painted because I didn't like the relic job on it. Um, I love the guitar. I love the way it sounded. I love the way it played. I loved everything about it, but the relic wasn't doing it for me. And I think the reason I've decided that I'm not a relic player and I don't own a relic is again no no harsh opinions, you know, about that, you know, you know, um, 
I just think that the road worns are the right price. I, I, that's where I feel. I feel like when I play a road worn uh, guitar for about a thousand bucks with that kind of quality beat up, it's got a cool vibe. When I pick up a $4,000 beat up guitar, it's not that I don't think it's, um, good. I just don't see the value in it. You know what I mean? So for me, it's tough to, to pull that trigger. So yes, I like the road horns for sure. Only reason I don't own a road horn, I can't justify another Strat or Tele. <laughs> I've had enough. So, uh, so there you go. Um, hold on. Hold on a second. So I'm looking around what you guys are talking about. Let me go back to questions then. Uh, we have, who do we have next? We have Eric. Eric wants to know or talk about, hey, Phil, uh, 19th to the 22nd frets on my high E of my Jackson are choking out. Yes. So really common, unfortunately, with the import Jacksons, uh, for sure. Um, I've got a Floyd Rose that's uh, blocked and the locking nut. Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, you only have two choices with that guitar uh, in that situation. You can raise the bridge. That's uh, will eventually clear that. And so you're just going to have to raise the bridge and then eventually get the height and then they won't choke out and die off. Um, and if that's tolerable for you with that higher action, then you're fine. If it's not tolerable, then your only other fix is you're going to have to have those frets leveled. Now, you may not have to have all the frets leveled. Um, the only other possibility is you can look underneath. If it's a bolt-on neck, you didn't say whether it was a dinky or a soloist or whatever. If it's a bolt-on neck, you can look to see if they shimmed it. My guess is there's no shim in that guitar. Um, so I'd be really shocked if you pulled the neck off and there was a piece of sandpaper or something in there shimming the guitar neck. Um, but that's that could be the problem, too, is the angle is, uh, is wrong and for the, where the, you know, the bridge is set right now. But... Yes. Um, but the easiest thing first, raise the bridge a little bit. I know it's blocked, but you can still raise the bridge. Raise it a little bit. See if that fixes the problem. If it does, good to go. If not, then if you don't want to have those frets leveled, check to see if there's a shim in there. I know, again, it's suck. Um, but that's the only thing you can do. But it's common. That's really, really common for those kind of guitars to have those issues. Uh, Matthew says for a small footprint iron, the Milwaukee tool 12 volt battery powered one has done a good job for me as a hobbyist. Great. Uh, that's a great suggestion. I like Milwaukee stuff. Um, battery powered. It's really cool. The, um, the torch ones are really good too for portable ones. If you want that as well, it's always good. Like I said, firsthand, re uh, uh, recommendations are the best speaker dad. Speaker Dead says, hey, Phil, what are your thoughts on the new PVHP2s uh, made in Czech? Uh, you know, I didn't know they were made in the Czech Republic. That makes sense. Um, I mean, I'm not shocked by that in any means. Uh, you know, the, the Czech Republic, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of instruments uh, are made there. Obviously, Warwick has a line of instruments there. Uh, uh, um, what's the other one? Um, Spectre does that, too, um, because, yeah, obviously, the Czech Republic is... Uh, Economy-wise, it's 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 inexpensive to have instruments made there, so that makes sense. Um, and it's kind of exotic here in the United States. It's a very weird thing, the Czech Republic deal. Um, in the United States, uh, when you see an instrument made in the Czech Republic, it's very exotic. Like 
Americans are like, this is very, it's a European instrument. It's very exotic. And, uh, and they command a good price here. In other words, a premium over other places. But when you go to like Germany and stuff and you see them making instruments in the Czech Republic, they do it the same way reason Fender makes instruments in Mexico. It's like, oh, we can go, you know, 10 minutes over the border and save some money if we have it made there. So it's really interesting. But the Czech Republic, uh, the factories I've seen guitars come out of do, do really good work and the guitars are really good. So I didn't know uh, the HP2s were coming out of there now or out of there at all, but that makes sense. And like I said, the craftsmanship is usually pretty good. Uh, those facilities, obviously, it's probably a facility making other stuff for every other company And because um, I, I doubt PV built a facility there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. The HPs are good. Obviously, like I said, it's basically the Wolfgang, and the Wolfgang's great guitar. Francis says, I love the channel, but I cannot use terms like Chinesium or Chibson in the future. Why can't you do that? <laughs> Uh, it's offensive, like calling COVID a Chinese virus. Um, well, Chineseium now is in, uh, it's like when you Wikipedia, it, it comes up as cheap Chinese metal. Um, and Chipson, I don't know. I mean, I get how, like I said, I, I'm very, you know, upfront about all this stuff. I get how somebody could be offended by this. I know this is the new world now where everyone's offended about everything. I know because I piss people off daily on my channel and I, I'm about as, open-minded as you can possibly be especially on the internet standards um but uh but uh i think those terms aren't meant to be so much about a people that's the problem we're not really calling out a people now when i say we i mean guitar players as a whole using those terms um like for instance when we when we say guitars made in japan are really cool I don't think we're really talking about the people. We're talking about the manufacturing. That's where we're really critiquing manufacturing. Uh, and you know, American manufacturing has a stigma. Everybody, every has a stigma, and it's not based on uh, a, a hatred or a desire to shame a person or a people as so much to acknowledge the manufacturing. Uh, uh, type of manufacturing, the type of quality we see from those manufacturers. So Chibson is really just a term that started as, I mean, there's Chibanez or what Chibanez or whatever they say, uh, stuff. Um, I don't think of it as somebody trying to say it's cheap as they're trying to say that it's obviously just an import product made from those type of factories. So, so my reason I'm saying all this is not to obviously try to like not offend anybody. It's to say that those things change. You, let me give you an example. Uh, and I don't know how old you are, so I don't want to talk to you like, you know, you're a child. But uh, but uh, let me give you a, a reference. When I was a kid, Japanese guitars were junk. When I mean they were junk, that's what older guitar players told me. Like that that's where the junk came from was Japan, because here's why older players grew up like I didn't buy a guitar from Sears. I'm too young for that. Um so guitar players older than me would buy their first guitar from Sears and get a junk guitar, and that guitar was made in Japan. They couldn't buy a, a real guitar from a music store. This is important to the story because that changed because even though Japan made affordable products, because that's what Sears and Montgomery Wards and companies wanted was cheap product, and Japan was willing to make it. So they made the cheap product and they sold it. So we referred to that product as made in Japan was a slam. Like it was a Japanese product was a slam. It would mean junk. Then you get to someone my age and I'm going to music stores and now you have BC Rich and Ibanez and they're making fantastic guitars and they're made in Japan. In fact, 
superior in some ways to American guitars. Again, not about an American worker, not about a Japanese worker, but about the manufacturer origin dictates a philosophy of the quality that you're going to see. So it's, it's, you know, it wasn't like American workers make the best guitars. It's American guitars were built to be the best guitars and the idea of the price point. They weren't making so many cheap guitars. So the reason I say that is we're probably going to see, or we're already seeing it in our lifetime, Indonesian guitars, made in Korea guitars, Chinese guitars that are better. Some, some of the Shiji guitars I played, uh, some of the other ch main China guitars, that, that uh, PRS hollow body SE, the, the Eastman stuff, that stuff is next level builder quality stuff. And, but what's got to happen is guitars that are made in China have to start making high quality guitars to the point where it's not really a dig to say, oh, it's made in China. It's not so much when you say made in China, it's because you're talking about Chinese people. You're talking about the fact that those factories make cheap guitars. And when they make nice guitars, they get associated with cheap guitars. There's a reason why s some high-end factories uh, in the U.S., I'm just using the U.S. because it's a perfect example, like Sir or Kiesel, um, I'm trying to think, it's Rickenbacker. There's some companies that just don't make inexpensive instruments because they don't want to have an association to that. They always go, you know, if you if you see a Sir guitar, it, it just means that obviously it's not only was it expensive, but it means they make high-end guitars because that's all they make. There's no confusion. And in my, and again, back, back in my lifetime, uh, companies like Warwick, when I, when I, when I wanted to Warwick when I was a kid, they only made high-end instruments. And by the time I was old enough and had enough money, exposure, uh, disposable income to buy a Warwick, they made import affordable Warwicks. So that's just how it's going to go. And that's how it goes. So like I said, I think it's confusing. We've talked about this before. It's confusing for some players of uh, why people uh, say the things they do, but and I'm not uh, excusing anyone who is using it as a negative term and trying to be a jerk. There are those two people there. But George Carlin said, remember, and I believe everything George Carlin pretty much said. <laughs> George Carlin said, uh, the words are not hateful. It's the asshole behind the words that are hateful. I believe that to be true. And I think people lost focus on that sometimes. It's your intent. So... Um, and for the record, I don't use Chinese, like that's a, a AVE, which is a, a really funny channel that he uses that a lot. Um, I use Chinese pot metal. Um, and then literally that's what I call it when I'm talking about Chinese materials. So just know, um, so there you go. I hope that helps. I hope that was insightful or if not, it was just old dude talking, ranting. Bobby says, which one does less damage to a Vox AC 15 tubes? Okay. It'd be nice if I go until the end of that. Okay, what, what does less damage to a Vox AC-15's tube? Uh, leaving the amp in standby all day, 14 hours every day, or turn the amp off every two to three hours? Um, neither. Th neither. Neither. Uh, obviously, the more you run the tubes, the uh, tubes are like, uh, you know, they're dis uh, they're like, uh, what do you call they're not disposable. They're wearable items. That's it. Tubes are wearable items. The more you use a tube, the more it's going to wear down. That's just how it goes. So leaving the amp on, whether you're playing the amp or not, over time, obviously you're using the tubes. It's just how it works. The heat is breaking down the tubes and that's just how that goes. Um, so turning on and the off uh, the amp every two hours, there's a theory, uh, of course, that, you know, that's why they have standbys, which is that, you know, that's, that hurts the tubes. Realistically, from all the guys that I know that are amp builders, I've asked every single one of them, all kinds of amp builders, and they all seem to be very consistent with this. The only issue with just slamming on a tube amp without the standby is if the actual tubes are cold. That's the real issue. You know what I mean? Is 
You know what I mean? Um, you know what I mean? It, you know, you come from like, let's say it's 40 degrees outside and you come inside and you put your amp down, and you just flip it on. That's a, a little bit too much jolt for the tube, so to speak. That's what I've been told. So that you may want to wait till the amp's more closer to room temperature before you just flip it on if you don't have a standby. Um, but, you know, and then modern amps have so much protection in them now that they don't really do what the older ones do, which is, you know, the problem is you don't want to burn up a tube because if you burn up a tube, uh, you know, if before the tube burns up, you can burn up other elements and uh, things in the amp. But I don't, I wouldn't worry about it. I turn it on. I'm, so basically my advice to you is just turn it on and off the amp. When you're not using it, turn it off. When you're using it, turn it on. Don't run the electricity. It's just a waste of electricity. It's not helping you anything. Your tubes will wear out because they're wearable items. And don't worry about that. To, worrying about your tubes wearing out is like worrying about your car, your tires being replaced. I know it's an expense and it's upsetting, but it's, it's part of life. And you know what I mean? And the truth is, an AC-15, a Vox AC-15, and even if you're using it all the time, is is those tubes could last you 20 years. Tubes last forever. They just do. They, you know, not all the tubes wear out. That's like a, I don't know. It's, a, it's the tube conglomerates trying to convince you that tubes need to be replaced all the time. The re reality is that most tubes don't need to uh, be replaced. They just go forever. That's why you can play old amps that's still 30 years old with the same tubes. Uh, William says, hi, is there any type of string better than Diodario NYXL that will hold up better to stainless frets? Why would they need to hold up better to stainless frets? They keep failing me. I have no uh, real concept of this question. NYXLs, if you don't know, so, so the deal is NYXLs is they are stronger strings. They last better, uh, because they have <laughs> the irony of NYXLs is, this is a funny thing, they have less nickel in them and more steel in them. And because of that, they are stronger and they last longer. Also, because of that, they're cheaper to manufacture. And then, but for some reason, they charge more for them. Nickel. <laughs> so, but that's just, I mean, it's just true. So, um, uh, but, but anyways, my point is uh, NYXLs uh, are really strong to the point where if you have, obviously nickel frets, they'll wear into your frets faster than, let's say, uh, a typical NY, uh, non-NYXL type string uh, that Daddario makes. D do you need to worry about that right now? And some of you probably are like panicking, like, what? Eating in my frets? What's happening to my frets? Wearing up my frets? Um, no, I, I wouldn't worry about that. If you're heavy-handed heavy and you gig a lot, NYXLs were great because they'll, they'll, they won't break, but you'll probably wear out your frets a little faster. In that extreme case of you playing all the time, you know what I mean? Something's got to give. Two objects are rubbing against each other. The stronger, the 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 uh, one with the higher tensile strength, the stronger one is going to last longer, which in this case would be those strings over the nickel frets. Against your stainless steel frets, I don't know what the issue is. Maybe your, maybe your issue is the opposite. Your stainless steel frets, you're heavy-handed, you're playing, you're pushing hard, and the frets are just kind of denting the strings and stuff. There might be a strings... Uh, that's got more strength or more tensile strength than an NYXL. I do know this. Daddario is like a lot of string companies. They have a chart that will tell you like their strongest string. So they might have something stronger than NYXL. They do. I would go with that if that's what you're having the problem with. I don't have that problem. I'm not very heavy handed. And I'm not saying you are, but that's usually what causes that is you're pushed down really hard. So there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just different techniques for different folks. Bradley says, what's the deal with Guitar Center? Customer service. <laughs> I have no idea where it's going to go, but it's always going to be interesting. Every time I deal with them, it's always something. I am the only 
Am I the only one with bad luck with them? Uh, been doing most of my shopping with Sweetwater lately. Yeah, look, Guitar Center. I I, I always feel like employees act like their managers. This is not a fact, but it's pretty pretty consistent. Yeah, like I, you could bet on it. Whenever I see a, a, a employee, I have I have a friend. He passed away. I have a friend, and he owned a music store, and he was an asshole. That was his personality. I keep saying that word today, but anyways, he, that was his personality. What I didn't understand was, and I had this conversation with him once, his, his employees, this is where I learned this lesson, his employees were asses. I couldn't figure it out. And so one day I asked him, I said, I get why you're horrible, but why are your employees horrible? Like, why don't you just be a jerk and then you let your, make your employees be nice to people? And he looked at me funny. It was like this weird, you know, like you didn't understand what I'm saying. And that's kind of when I started putting together that kind of concept, which is, yeah, employees basically act like they're managers. That's just, they can't help it. So what I'm telling you is, if you have a guitar center with a bad manager, you have bad employees. I don't mean that it's because obviously if a bad manager means your employees are not trained, right? Which means they're frustrated, frustrated. And then <laughs> if you have a bad manager, that means your employees are miserable. Everybody's worked for a bad manager, everyone, or you are that bad manager. <laughs> if you haven't worked for a bad manager, you might be one. You might want to check that out. Anyways, um, so that's where I find that issue. So what's my point? My point is, is that uh, if you're going to Guitar Center and you're having bad luck and you're having a bad time, it's probably because you're at a bad location. I walked into some guitar centers and the employees have been the most helpful, nicest people I've ever met. And uh, they're great. And uh, and I've been to guitar centers where, uh, and that's more, so you know, more the case. I've been to more bad guitar centers than good guitar centers. There's not. There's a reason why they have that reputation. I mean, because they... You know, they, and when I say bad manager, you understand that manager can have a bad manager. Guitar Center from probably top down is just horrible. So it's, it's tough. It's a tough thing. Um, Sweetwater is, is not horrible. Uh, and that's just the reality of it. They, they, um, they have their problems. They, I mean, I've called, I don't think anybody on YouTube has called out Sweetwater. In fact, I was just talking about this the other day with a, with a friend. No one on YouTube has, talked as much crap about about Sweetwater as me and Sweetwater still working with me still every time they in fact every time I've ever said anything horrible <laughs> about them or titled a video where I'm hammering them every time they have been on the spot reached out how's it going sorry that happened what can we do you know what I mean uh and you guys and and here's what I always laugh about and I think the average viewer right now is going well of course you have a youtube channel of course they would but of course you're wrong because here's why you're wrong most of the other companies they do the exact opposite they actually get pissed at me and when i'm complaining they get pissed at me and then i go well okay <laughs> but sweetwater always tries to fix it so i think that's uh it's a mentality is what i'm trying to say so the sweetwater has a better mentality for that and, uh, and I hear people have bad experiences with Sweetwater. Look, you can have a bad experience anywhere. Because remember, you don't deal with companies. You deal with people. There's always going to be a person. There's a difference. The, time, the only time I hold a company responsible is a policy. So I'll, 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 it's, hey, I should make a little thing where it's like story time, Phil's story time. Let me tell you a story. I once was throwing a huge fit, a big enough fit to where the, the police were going to escort me out of the place. I was really mad. So, and here's what got me in trouble. Uh, 
the employee, which was a manager, was using the it's not me, it's the company speech. And what I told them was, I said, look, a company is a building. It's people, though. You, you know, the company is people. I can't yell at the building. I got to yell at the people. But I'm yelling at the employee because the employee is causing the problem. So I told them very frankly, I said, look, if it's a policy, then I have a problem with the policy and that's the company. But you're the problem. <laughs> it's not the policy. So you're, is why, you're why I'm yelling at you because you're the problem. <laughs> if it was a policy, I wouldn't yell because there's nobody to yell at because that's a company. So, um, so that's reason why I say that is, um, basically, uh, if it's a policy, I, I hold the company accountable. If it's a bad experience, it's the person. And then I try to I try to go the way. And why that's important to me is this. A bad policy, I may never do with that business ever again. A bad person, I, I try it again and see if I get a different person. So there you go. Um, and then a lot of you are bantering back and forth. Uh, music therapy last. I know it's out of order, but just because it's right here. Music therapy last says, "Yep, Phil's right. Sweetwater gets it, and I bought more stuff from them because he understands gas." Uh, yeah, look, there's Sweetwater grew out of nowhere. Remember, they they basically they've been around for a long time, but most of us know they pretty much popped out during the recession. Like it was during the recession, is all of a sudden you see all these Sweetwater ads in Guitar World magazines. That's where it all started, right? And you're like, what's Sweetwater? <laughs> it's like every full page ad, Sweetwater. Sweetwater was really gaining market. But what Sweetwater did is everyone on the internet basically figured out, like, oh, if I sell, if I go cheaper, people will buy it here, which is smart. It's a good tactic. We like everybody likes a deal. However, Sweetwater which is not about the deals, but you can get deals. You just call your Sweetwater person and ask for a deal. They'll give it to you if they can. I, I I have no special uh, arrangement with Sweetwater. Like I don't have a, okay, you're a YouTuber, then you get an extra discount. I literally have a sales engineer person just like you guys, and I literally contact them. At this point, they know I'm a YouTuber. At first, I don't think they did, but over time they figured it out. I think because they bump in, I think because he talks to other viewers and then he's like, what's that guy do? And they're like, oh, he's on YouTube. But that's not why I get a deal. I get a deal the same way you guys get a deal. I go, hey, can you give me 10% off on this if I order it today? And I just did an email and they're like, yeah. Or sometimes they're like, no, but I can do this. And you're like, okay, you can ask for a deal. But my point to that is Sweetwater is not focused on the deals. They're focused on making sure the guitars are, you get your pictures, making sure your service is set up. So, I mean, it's where their focus is. It's the smart business model. It's why they're winning. So, uh, Sierra says, AMS gives me credit. <laughs> uh, how can I haggle with that? You can still haggle and get credit at American Music Supply. Absolutely. Absolutely. Contact them. That just, look, first of all, uh, they don't care. They don't care about the, look, there's a reason why, like I said, there's reasons why I like certain companies. I've, I've done uh, content for American Musical Supply. Why? Because like you, I like that system. That system, like, like I said, before I had a collection of guitars where I could sell off a guitar and get a guitar and figure this all out over life. When I started, you know, getting into guitars really and trying to, you know, acquire stuff and do stuff, AMS was a, a, a lifeline uh, to me because like a lot of you, it was like, oh, I, I can afford, you know, 119 a month for so many months and, and I can get that now. And that's great, right? Because it's way better than layaway. Remember layaway? I mean, they're still layaway, but you know what I mean? Layaway sucked. 
<laughs> you're like, oh, I pay in payments, and then I get it when I, you know, it's very old school, like you, you, you get it when you deserve it mentality, which is nothing wrong with that mentality, <laughs> but it's not fun. It's funner to get it now. <laughs> so, anyways, AMS. There's some quality things about them, and but one of the things about AMS uh, is they have the credit line, but you can still get a deal. Um, just call them. I can't guarantee that. Okay, but call them. Uh, I'll say it over and over again. It's like a broken record. Companies don't give you deals. People give you deals. This is why earlier when I was talking about companies and people and policies, there's a reason why you have to you have to disassociate these things from each other. A policy and a person. A person can break a policy. How cool is that? <laughs> I, it happens all the time. So if somebody tells you like, oh, the policy is we can't give you a discount and do the credit, fine. But sometimes you get lucky. If you ask, maybe the person will break that policy for you. So you can always try. But like I said, what I what I remind you guys always is if you talk to somebody, you can get a deal or taken care of. If you don't talk to them, you're not going to get anything anyways. So might as well talk to them. Sal says, I got some candy today with some strap locks. Yeah, I don't get the candy. I put in the I told you guys that you can put a note on your account to where you don't get candy. I don't get the candy. So uh Okay, um, hold on. All right, next one is Daytalk. Daytalk says, hey, Phil, are you going to make a video showing us how to get super glue off of Tyler? <laughs> He's talking about Tyler Larson's uh, PRS uh, from Music's Win. Uh, no, I think I've said that before. I, I, I pondered doing it. So here's the issue with that. And I've, and I've, I've had now many conversations about this off, obviously off the camera, off the show uh, with friends in the industry. And here is the problem I have with doing that. So if you guys don't know, I have a sharp on my axe where Tyler Larson from Music Wind sent me his guitar. And one of the problems he had super glue, glob of super glue in the finish of the guitar. And I got it off. Uh, and I, I, I got his. And so here's the problem with that. It's, um, I, I, I could have ruined his guitar. I could have gone right through his finish. I, I, I wouldn't have, <laughs> but I could, if I didn't do it before and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so basically, uh, it's a little bit of work uh, to do that. And it's, I thought about doing a video and it just, it's not going to work. So there you go. Um, what I would entertain is maybe doing a video, maybe recreating that problem on a different guitar and then showing you, look, I, here's the problem with this. It's why, it's why I decided when I was doing the amp repair videos, I kind of tailored them a different way. I, I don't, my hat's jacked up again. Sorry, guys. Here's my problem. I, I really, like I said, I really want to make content that is educational and helps you guys. It, it, you know what I mean? We learn from it. Uh, that's that's a dream come true. I don't want to make content where I get emails at three in the morning. My guitar is on fire and it's all your fault. I'm like, oh, crap. That stuff keeps me up at night. That stuff will, that stuff really, seriously. Like, uh, you know, um, I, when you guys execute a, 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 an instruction badly, it, I feel horrible, even though it's not my fault. <laughs> so imagine how I, I would feel if it was my fault. I'm not saying nothing's my fault, but you know what I'm saying? It, so so that's why I decided to haul away from it. I'm not going to do any content that I don't think you guys can really grasp. in a, in a Here's a realistic way, in a 10-minute video. That's the problem. So now the question is, have I ever considered doing long videos where I just go through stuff? Sure, why not? I could probably do that. Maybe that's, again, for the Phil McKnight 2 channel. 
Uh, William's question or topic is, hey, is there any type of string? Oh, no, we already did this. Okay. Uh, Bradley says, what's the deal with it? Oh, we did this too. We're we jumping around. How did I? Hmm. Okay. M.A. says, hey, Phil, wondering how well Ibanez Prestige holds its resale value compared to other brands, Gibson, Fender, etc. So Ibanez, uh, Ibanez uh, Prestige, they go up in value based on usually what Ibanez keeps changing the new prices for. That's usually how their value points. So some instruments go up because, you know, they literally just go up in value. Some instruments go up in value because they keep raising the price of the new instruments. And of course, if you bought it for a thousand and then five years later, they're selling it for 2000, then your used guitar, you know, is worth a thousand, which is what you paid for it. See what I'm saying? Like instead of being worth 500 versus a thousand. So prestige is definitely one of those things that I've noticed that over the years is that as Ibanez raises the price of prestige, older prestige prestige guitars go up. So that's how it kind of drives that value point. The only other factor to that is when it's limited edition or it's unique or they stop making it and it's something cool. Um, this goes back to the thing we talked about earlier when we're talking about made in China versus made in Japan and stuff. This is the thing where we're talking about resale value. Uh, and and again, certain certain countries have manufacturers that have this stigma of being really good or really bad based usually on what the price points they like to manufacture or they do manufacture the majority of. And because Japan manufactures mostly expensive instruments now, we perceive that as being valuable and the value tends to go up. And like I said, we're seeing it, I'm seeing it already with Indonesia and Korea where the prices are going up and up and up. And eventually what's going to happen is we're just going to say, okay, those are expensive guitars now. And then we'll perceive them as being high end because they're expensive. Mostly, mostly price demand, uh, dictates for some reason our perceived value of things <laughs> it's why a five thousand dollar guitar oh it's really good it's five thousand dollars no it's really good it's a thousand dollars that's like usually the logic but i find it doesn't always work that way um i say um Corey says hey for high output pickups do you lower the height or change the amp setting for anything to tame the output. Just installed uh, Seymour Duncan RT, RTM uh, and it's hot. Uh, you can lower the pickup away from the strings. That will definitely help uh, if it's a high output pickup and you you know it's really kicking, you can tame that beast that way as well. Um, the You can also change the settings of your amp. You can also just turn the volume on the guitar, just a slight, uh, remember, just a little. Not, at first, you won't perceive it. So here's a little trick when the volume knob, if you want to use your volume knob on a guitar, everybody does the, the the full volume and they take it back and then they wait till they hear something. I always tell people, go, just do a little quarter turn, like a little, not, not even that, just a little bit of turn and then play for a minute and then turn it back up and then see if you hear it now. Because sometimes it's so subtle, you don't hear it until you, you know, change it back. Um, that will help out as well. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, those are all help, but yeah. Um, I like high output pickups and low output pickups for different reasons, but high output pickups, I generally will pull them away from the strings, mostly for not even to, to kind of cut back the, how hard they're pushing on the amp, but also that, uh, if they're higher output pickups, they usually got a lot of magnetic power to them and that's, uh, not so good for the strings. In other words, being close to the strings, you can deaden the sustain a little bit on that. 
Jeff says, for the tone jar, fill a shout out to the small Colorado builder making a fantastic guitar templates and custom knobs. Maximum Guitar Works, Steve at Maximum. This is like a, I'm reading, a, I'm reading copy. This is like ad copy, but I like it. Steve at Maximum is a great guy and likes you. Hey, well, see, now I'm glad I read his ad copy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's great. So uh, I think I know Maximum Guitar Works. He does templates. Uh, I didn't know he did custom knobs, but I know he does guitar templates. Um uh, I'm pretty aware of most of the guitar template guys around the country um, because uh, because a lot of my friends build guitars and they use a lot of templates. And templates are, we're talking about a great world now where you can get those. So that's cool. So if you're looking for a cool, I, I'll check out his knobs, you know, right? Because uh, yeah, I like knobs. I'm sure that's just going to be some joke out there. But anyways, I <laughs> I like guitar knobs. Anyways, and uh, but uh, good good guitar templates are really fun. You can make a lot of, you know, it's a great way to start a guitar project instead of doing a kit. Uh, Bill Bean says, Phil, what is your opinion of, R I, you know what, does anyone, do I know how to say this guitar name? Ert? Is it E-R-A-E-A? I see them everywhere now. Ert. E-A-R-T guitars. Perfect stainless steel frets. Thoughts? Okay, so um, <laughs> here's how it works. I've said this before. Companies reach out to me all the time. Ert is definitely a company that's reached out to me. Um, Firefly recently reached out to me. Um, companies reach out to me, and um, we give responses based on uh, uh, what we want to do, right? In other words, if I'm interested in the video, then you know we kind of go forward with that. If I'm not so interested in the video, we don't say no. We just say, okay, this is what we want to do. Oh. Excuse me, my throat's going to go dry if I don't drink something. Um, what I was going to say was, Ert, I'm pretty sure, is sending out some guitars. That's basically what I'm getting at. I could be wrong. It could be Firefly. One of those two companies <laughs> responded with an email with, they want my phone number. Usually when a company wants your phone number, it's because they're either, they need it for the address or they're going to call you. And since no one's called me, I'm assuming they're going to send the address. So we'll see. Um but Firefly and Ert in the, in the same vein for me are, you know, there's a ton of YouTube videos out there. So it's, I'll do it, but you got to understand it. It's, you know, it's in the, in the YouTube arena of reviews, <laughs> you're either exposing the audience to something new and exciting, which means you're going to get a lot of clicks or you're the follow-up video. And if you're the follow-up video, you get a lot less clicks, which is fine. Um, and you do confirmation. In other words, you know, you either confirm what everybody else says or you're like, hey, I'm having a different experience than everybody else says. But um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I guess um, uh, I guess my point is, is that uh, I haven't been super excited about them, but um, maybe they'll show up. Okay. Uh, I saw a question in the middle of that and I thought it was really cool and interesting. And now it's gone. It jumped. And I... Hmm. I'm sorry. It was a really cool question. I saw... I started reading it for a second when I was talking. And then it's gone. So it jumped. I apologize. And if I could remember enough of it, I'd just try to wing it, but I can't. All right. Uh, Travis uh, says, Phil, I picked up a Gretsch Junior Jet P90 and a Squire Classic Vibe 50s. Love these guitars. Hard to say if there is any better value. 
Well, look, we know great guitars are inexpensive now. And I, and I say inexpensive because to me, a classic vibe is not even an expensive guitar anymore. The Jet P90, I don't know how much that's going for. But, you know, when I think inexpensive, I think 200 bucks. Everybody's going to have a different answer. I could say, like, what's a good inexpensive guitar? And somebody's going to say a $50 guitar. And somebody's going to say a $500 guitar. I I think inexpensive is 200 bucks. Um, not because I don't base it off of like how much I make or what I, you know, what I think it costs to make it. I base it off of other things you can buy in that price range. Like to me, a boutique pedal is 200 bucks. So if I can get a guitar for the price of a pedal, that's a pretty inexpensive guitar. Um, but uh, classic vibes like four or 500 bucks now, but they're very good guitars. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, which is why. You know, like I said, I think it's very, uh, everybody has like a different agenda with their, their personal guitars. You know, some people have inexpensive guitars and they're like, my inexpensive guitars are the best. And that's why I don't buy expensive. Some people buy expensive guitars and like inexpensive guitars are junk. And that's why I buy expensive. Uh, I, I think like I said, I, I have a different philosophy, all this stuff. I buy certain guitars because like I said, they're collectible. They're fun. I always wanted to own them. Like I said, I, I have an Ibanez gem. Why? Because I wanted one when I was a kid. Not because, like, the gym. No other guitar comes close. I have, but as soon as I say that, somebody's going to put in the comments, Phil, I love my gym. You should. It's great. But I don't own it because it's the best playing guitar and the best guitar ever. I own it because I wanted it when I was a kid. There's different reasons why I have certain guitars, like I said. Um, and, and I, you know, I was playing out a lot before COVID, I started playing out more and more and more. And it was really fun because I had some free time finally. And I had some, you know, and then COVID came and now, you know, no one's playing out for a little while and, uh, I don't have free time anymore, even if they did. Um, but for a lot of time when I took this, when I did, when I play out, I would take my lower price guitars, which is smart. Buzz Wilson says George Carlin for president fund. His rant on addiction was spot on. He was right about everything. He's like the Nostradamus of, of stand-up comedians. Um, you know, it's, a uh, it's funny. I, I, I mean, I'm a huge George Carlin fan. Um, I've said this a, th a thousand times on this show. Uh, I got to see him live stand up, uh, the night before I got shipped out, to, shipped out to MEPS when I joined the army. And it was, it was just great. And, uh, my mom and her friend took me to go see him and I was just a huge fan. I had all the CDs and I've always, I've always loved him. Uh, and, and now think about this, you know, he was kind of like a jerky kind of guy and weird. And now look at how you reflect back. And now, you know, Bill Cosby was the horrible person and he was the, you know, <laughs> nobody's calling him out for any bad things, but he had some, some strong opinions and they were great. Yeah. Brian says, uh, Carlin even ca called it has COVID a bit. Yes, of course he called COVID. He, like I said, he, 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 everything he said was going to happen happens. But the, the, the thing that I liked about him was he wasn't preachy about it. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, obviously he was going for the joke and that's true, but you can, you know, some com comics are still kind of preachy when they go for the joke. Um, it, it, ultimately, what I liked about George Carlin was, even though he was kind of crotchety and he didn't seem like he liked people, <laughs> it seemed like he wanted people to like each other. And I think fundamentally, that's what it always comes down to. Everybody, like I said, this is a group of people. There's like a thousand guitar players here. Notice musicians. I should say musicians. Some of you are probably bass players and drummers. Musicians here. We're all musicians hanging out on a Friday because we like music and we like musical instruments. I don't care what everyone, I don't care about anything else. I don't care. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I could give two craps about your religious choices, not because it's taboo subjects. It's because that's not why I'm here. You know, 
you know, cops and criminals, everybody who's a musician, you're, you're the thing in common is the thing that brings you down together and you talk about it. It's, uh, like I said, anytime we're not here, that's when it's time to think about all the real, real world crap. But right now, it's just talking about guitars and music. Um, Drew says, greetings from the West Valley, Arizona. Uh, says, you have, tr- have you tried the Katana Artist Mark II? No one has them in the West Valley to try out. My wife is sticky, sick of hearing my crank tube amps. I'm only a bedroom player. Um, I have played the uh, Katana Mark, uh, Artist Mark II. It was nice. It's like a little bit nicer version than the Katana. So if you're looking for something like that, I think the Katana is like the Katana. Katana is now, they, Katana is unfortunately... I've sold so many, now they get hated. Isn't that funny? That's the, like I told you, that's the cycle of everything. It's the cycle of, of something comes out and it's affordable and it's amazing. And then because it's affordable, everybody buys one. And even though it's still just as good as it was when everybody bought it, because everybody has it, now it sucks. <laughs> two, two years ago, maybe it was three years ago, everybody was like, man, have you heard the Katana? It's really, really good. Now it's like, oh, somebody goes, somebody goes, oh, I have a Katana. And they go, oh, the Katana. Ugh, everybody has a Katana. It sucks. But it sucks because everyone has one. It's the funniest thing that happens. <laughs> so um, I still like the Katana. It's fine. Like I said, I uh, somebody was asking me uh, 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 about Katanas and uh, the sparks. And I was saying, I, I wish, uh, uh, Katana makes a head that has two speakers in it. I wish they would make a slightly smaller, like a tabletop amp. I like my spark just cause it's a tabletop amp, put it up on the, on the bench and it's really nice up, uh, up, up, you know, right next to you. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I like the Katana. So I think you're right. Getting a Katana artist is a great amp. Um, so there, I, I recommend, I recommend you get it. Cause like I said, it will save your wife's hearing and you get to play it and you get to crank it. And you, you know, the other thing I like about Katana is they take pedals really well. So music therapy, Laz, uh, music therapy, Laz says, yep. Phil's right. I'm right. Sweetwater gets it. Oh no, no. We already talked about this cause I did our order. Kevin says, okay. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to say he, you know, I was right. <laughs> Kevin Morris says, okay. I know this isn't popular, but I'm interested in knowing where to start the action 12 fret on a guild acoustic bass. Um, where to start it? Three millimeters off of the top of fret to the bottom of the low E string. That's where I would start that. You might go four, but that's pretty high. You're not going to get it super low. The problem with your acoustic bass is that the string, obviously, just like an acoustic guitar, is resonating the body and creating the sound. And the, and the, the bass is... Acoustic basses are kind of problematic just in the way that they, they work and they, they get buzzy really fast. So you kind of keep the action a little high, but yeah, I would start at like three to four millimeters off the 12th fret. That's a good point. Go start there. See, see where it takes you. Okay. Um, then we have, what do we have next? We have Captain something. I have no idea what the hell this is. Kappa, kaka, kaka, shred. Any tips on, and I don't know if I got any tips. I I don't know how to say, I'm still dizzy from trying to say your name. says, any tips on routing a new control holes in a finished bodies without damaging the finish? Sure, we do it all the time. Uh, I have to route uh, into finishes all the time. In fact, a lot of manufacturers even route uh, 
in guitars that are already uh, in finishes. Warmoth bass control routing options are lacking for active bass. Sure, yeah, you can do it. Um, you basically, you just router it like you normally would. Um, you can sometimes put painter's tape on there. I don't, but I used to. I stopped. Uh, I just have a really good router bit and uh, template and you just do it. Uh, here's, a, here's a good idea. Um, I'll tell you how I did it. I taught myself about 15 years ago and how I did it was I took a bunch of junky bodies and just started routering in them and routing compartments and sticking things on there and same thing. So I would recommend the same thing to you is, uh, find a junky body somewhere with paint on it and router like four things into it. You'll be fine. Route. I always say router route four things into it. And uh, that'll do it. You need a little practice and you're fine. But yeah, I can do it. If you're a little nervous, you can take it to any skilled uh, uh, trades uh, luthier or repair tech with his, uh, worth their grain of salt uh, knows how to do that, can router into your body and, uh, and uh, do that stuff. It, it's uh, literally done all the time. Uh, and like I said, it, it's so much, so much so that it, it's not even like manufacturers do it sometimes. I mean, some manufacturers, that's just the store, standard process. They paint it and then they router stuff out of it. Jeff says, uh, more for the tone jar. Okay, what is the expensive, wait, what is the expense involved in sponsoring a Know Your Gear live podcast? You had a sponsor last week and it seems like a great way to get noticed by the community. Thanks. Sure. Uh, the to, to sponsor the podcast is like somewhere between $150,000 to $200,000 per episode. And I know that sounds expensive. It does. I mean, $100,000 for one episode to sponsor. It sounds expensive, but when you look at it from my point of view, which is I just want a lot of money, it's not that bad of a deal, really, because it gets me there faster. <laughs> uh, all right. It's probably not the answer you want. So let me get the answer you want. What is Jeff? Uh, Jeff, uh, the uh, here's how it works. To sponsor the, the, the podcast, you just have to be special. It's a very hard thing to do. It, it's it's not about money. It's about special. So that's why right now the sponsor is Pat Rion's Guitars because, let's just face it, Pat Rion's has helped me more than probably any luthier or guitar tech or anybody in the industry ever has. So I appreciate it. They make this show happen. So uh, sadly enough, unfortunately, it's not a price point that you can get a sponsorship on the show. It's a more of a just... You know, good people. Um, okay, <laughs> all right. I think we're gonna call it. Let me let me uh, let me uh, just re refresh this real quick. Make sure I didn't miss anything. And then usually when I say we're gonna stop, we still go on for twenty minutes. But um, that's gonna be it. No more super chats after Jeff. So no more super chats. Let's just uh, do some non super chats for a few minutes and see how this goes. Um, okay. Um, Okay, uh, the Harvard Yard says, what, if anything, would make a guitar not worth sharpening for you? Uh, have a cheap one. I feel like it might have been a waste to upgrade since it keeps having problems. Sure, of course, that happens all the time. Uh, it's more problematic for me when it happens to a, a customer's guitar where, uh, you know, I need it to be good so I can get paid. That's uh, So sometimes I feel like that's really a corner to get painted into that's horrible because... Uh, 
you know, you, you, you know, especially if I spent a lot of time on the guitar already and it's not coming, it's not coming together and you're like, oh man, not only are you going to have a disappointed customer, which is a horrible feeling, but you know, now you're not going to charge anything for your time. You can, I don't, I don't run things that way, but you can do it that way. You could say, Hey, look, this is where we're at now. This is what you owe me so far. But usually if it's not completed project, I don't want to charge. So so that happens. So that's the worst. Um, when it's me personally with a project, oh yeah, it's happened to me personally too as a personal project. Uh, you just, you know, you got to know when to cut your losses. You know, it's just reality. Uh, strip things down, take parts off, go the other way. I mean, you know, there's a saying, right? Don't put good money after bad, you know, but you want to make sure you've done your due diligence to make sure that you are in that position before you take that decision. But yeah, unfortunately it's, yeah, don't, you can, I, you can keep going and going and going, but yeah, at some point you're going to go, this is, it's just not, not working out. Um, Sean Brooks says you can put nice pickups on a turd, but it's still a turd. I, I've never mounted pickups into turds. I don't suggest it. <laughs> I don't, I know what you mean. All right. Um, what else? Let's do two more, and then we'll go. Let's find them. Uh, uh, Vipers, 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 PD2. <laughs> PD2 says, Phil, are you going to review the PRS HX amp? That HX amp is the new Paul Reed Smith uh, Jimi Hendrix amp. I am not going to review that amp. They made a 50-watt and a 100-watt uh and uh, I saw the uh, I saw Tyler Larson from Music Win. He did a, a video of it, and of course, he does really good videos. So it was a really good video. And um, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> when I I guess it was like twenty eight hundred bucks, right? I think I looked it up. I was like, oh, what's this thing cost? And it was like twenty eight hundred bucks. Um, it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me as an amplifier. Now I don't I haven't played it. It could be the most amazing amplifier ever. And if I plug into it. I'm sure that will change my mind for sure. But um, I didn't pay that much for my Plexi. <laughs> and it, So I feel like, okay, if I want a Jimi Hendrix tone, I can just plug into my Marshall Plexi. I'll plug a, you know, a Strat into that and get a sound. Um, so I don't know what about it is more appealing. Maybe it does vol a lower volume than the Plexi, maybe. Uh, but looks cool, but that's a lot of money for an amp. Um, and then, uh, on a side note, um, um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. Uh, so the answer is I'm not going to review it because usually how that would work is uh, PRS would send that out. They didn't send that out. They, they sent out the, uh, the last Archon, which was okay. That was a good amp. And, um, you know, I think it's cause that amp's expensive. They're not going to send that out. They probably don't have. A whole lot of them to ship out to people that you know and uh and it was a um and i think i would die if they sent me a 412 uh and i had a because i have to ship that stuff back <laughs> this sucks boxing box that stuff up hauling it in 115 degree weather down to the fedex store is just a crappy <laughs> just a crappy afternoon uh but but I don't know if you guys are interested. I just can't imagine too many of you are interested in a $2,800 Paul Reed Smith, Jimi Hendrix amp. I, I don't know. I think uh, I think it seems like a cool, like I said, you know I like Doug Sewell. You know I like PRS stuff. 
I mean, obviously, I think it's cool. That would be an amp, definitely. Like, if I was at PRS headquarters for any reason in the future, you know, I'd be like, hey, can I check that amp out? And I would film that for sure. But, like, I can't imagine them wanting to ship one out, and I can't imagine me. I wouldn't buy one. So how about that? Like I, like I said, it would have to be the most amazing amp ever. I, I mean, but I, I, I can't imagine I would buy one because uh, I already have. I already have, I already, like I said, I already have a BE and I have a, or not a BE, I'm sorry, I have a small box from Freeman. I have a, I have a Plexi, I have a Dirty Shell. I have enough of those style amps. I can't imagine another one. <laughs> so, um, so there you go. All right. Oh, let's do one more. I know I said two more and then I did one. Um, uh, hold on. Anyone else? Last thing before we go. Start our weekend playing guitar, by the way. Hmm. I always, whenever I ask for the last question, there's never, never one. But I will go back. Maybe we'll get lucky and I'll just go back and find one that obviously we miss a lot every week. Um. Oh. Um, hey, Rocky Hinson said, Phil sold me on a L7 Sires guitar. Wow, these things are awesome. You know, uh, I just saw it. Thank you for the, the, you know, the comment. Um, I have two more Sire videos coming. Um, I'll point at it. I have a Sire S7 right there. And I have a Sire H7 somewhere else behind me that I can't see. <laughs> Somewhere right there. Uh, and so uh, I, I bought that Sire guitar, did that video. Uh, the owner of Sire, uh, you know, didn't know my channel, saw it because obviously it got, you know, in his feed somehow on YouTube. And he reached out to me and he was like, hey, would you like to review any other guitars? And so we started, we talked back and forth in emails. And um, I'm, I've been blown away by Sire. Great stuff for the price. Fantastic. Do great stuff, period. But for the price, definitely makes it makes it a little funner. So definitely check them out. Um, I haven't been in a huge hurry to review them though. So, you know, they're here and I've been going through them. I will definitely review them. There will definitely be videos for sure. Um, but I'm not in a hurry because when talking to him, they're, they're doing so great. They're killing it. They are backlogged uh, on guitars. In other words, they just don't have a lot of guitars in inventory. So I don't want to be like, hey, check this out. And then you guys go run out there and you go, hey, there's nowhere to buy these. So, all right. Uh, and then, oh, okay. And I, in traditional form of us of I'm going to go and then I don't go music therapy Laz says, Phil, what are you going to buy at Sweetwater? I already bought it. <laughs> I bought, uh, hold on. Let me show you. Okay. It's a mess and this will suck for anybody watching the podcast. Cause <laughs> And all right, so I bought another Temple audio board. This is a small one. Here's my pedals. I got my Way Huge, my Plexitone, my 87. And then I was ABN, if you can't tell, because it's actually hooked up to my caverns. I was just comparing my Atlantic to the caverns. Uh, and I am 90, 99% sure the caverns was winning. Um, I like the Atlantic because it's digital, but the caverns is analog and there's cool things. And then I got my Chuck's power supply. So I bought this very exciting pedal board from 
from them. So that was my big purchase. So if, uh, I wanted a smaller pedal board because I find I only, like I, I think I told you guys once, I only use about six pedals and I found out over time that's actually not accurate. I probably used about four. <laughs> so I said, why do I have all these bigger pedals, pedal boards? So I got a small one. So that's what I got from Sweetwater. So, and I did buy something else, but I can't show you because it's not, uh, I, I will be reviewing it even though I bought it from them. I'm going to be reviewing it, but I'm going to be reviewing it because I got another product I got to put with it. So there you go. On that note, I'm going to let you go. You guys have a great weekend. Play guitar, have fun, enjoy some time with the family and friends. And, uh, and then on that note, I'll just say know your gear. Know your gear, guys. Take it easy.